morning, everyone. Uh, so, as it's uh, we've been having the a blaze weekend, I, when we were planning these two weeks, which I uh, said I would happily do, we thought that we'd just do this week and next week little mini series on uh, uh, partnering with the Holy Spirit. So I want to sort of drill a little bit deeper into some of the things that uh, we touched on a little bit over the weekend, those of you that were there and those of you that weren't there, then hopefully we'll just kind of catch up with some of this. So we're looking at how do we partner with the Holy Spirit. And this week I want to try and look at how we get to know the Holy Spirit a little bit more personally, individually, and how we can begin to relate to Him. Um, and um, see, my heart in all this is, is, it really is important that every believer gets to know the Holy Spirit and learns to partner with him. And the Christian life is supposed to be naturally supernatural. Right? It's supposed to be naturally supernatural. It's not supposed to be unnaturally super spiritual. There is a difference. But it's supposed to be naturally supernatural. And uh, so I want to try and help us just explore some of that a little bit. Uh, many of the themes will be familiar to, to many of you, but I just want to... Uh, be quite practical, and then next week I want to look a little bit at how we partner with the Holy Spirit in taking his activity out into the world around us. And um, you might be here this morning and you don't know Jesus. Well, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings you to know Jesus. So even this morning, he can, he can be working in your life. You may be already. You may be feeling uh, a sense of something you don't quite understand, even from being amongst us and being in the worship. Well, um, I want to try and help you uh, get to know this person who is actually knocking at the door of your heart even now. So the first thing I want to say is that the ho- about the Holy Spirit introducing himself to us. That's the first point, that the Holy Spirit introduces himself to us. And when we look at the New Testament, we find that when the early church was being formed, every place that the apostles, the disciples went Every new people group, uh, every new nation, every new language, every new city, every new situation they went into, one of the key things that they put in as a foundation was to make sure that new believers uh, were introduced to the Holy Spirit, that they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, they were filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, whichever term you want to use. So I've asked uh, Amy Stevens if she'd just come and read some verses for us. Just to give us a few examples from uh, Acts, uh, if we can use that microphone, Mike. Just a few examples from Acts uh, of when uh, um, a breakout of the ho- of new planting, new church plants, new people groups being affected, and what the Lord did. So, morning. Okay, so in Acts eight fourteen seventeen, it says, "Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John." who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And in Acts nine seventeen to 19, it says, So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on them, he said, Brother Saul... The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. And later on in Acts 10, 44-46, says, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who'd come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. In Acts 19, verse 1 to 6. And it happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Okay, and then, so there's some narrative there that shows us that in a variety of ways, at different times, different places, different, different circumstances, a different order. Sometimes people were baptized in water first, then the Holy Spirit fell on them. Sometimes they were baptized in the Spirit, then they were baptized. Sometimes it was all over the place and nobody quite knew what was going on, but it all got there somehow and somewhere. Uh, and Paul commenting in, in Ephesians chapter 1 uh, uses these verses. I'd like to just look at Ephesians 1, 13 to 14, uh, which I hope you can just read out for us. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In him also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Okay, thank you, Amy. We can just keep that one up there. You'll notice there that, and this is the revised King James Version, which I don't usually use, but I think in, this, uh, in these verses it particularly brings out the richness and the order uh, of things uh, that Paul is trying to get at. And it says uh, there, um, after you heard the word, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, so there's a believing that takes place, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And Martin Lloyd-Jones, when he's commenting on these verses, says that the structure of the verse indicates that this sealing with the Spirit, which I believe is another word for the baptism of the Spirit or the filling of the Spirit, whatever you want to call it, is something that happens as a separate thing to being converted. It may happen at the same time. It may happen subsequent to, but it is having believed you were. There's something that happens to us that God intends as a kind of an introduction to the person of the Holy Spirit. When he introduces himself to us, he fills us, he, he he, as it were, baptizes us, immerses us in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And that will happen to each of us in a different way. It's something every single one of us as Christians should experience. There is no uh, restriction. It's something that God, uh, in the same way as you can say, well, I want to be baptized in water, and that can happen as long as there's water. Uh, we can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we should be. And one of the important things to remember when we think about being baptized in the Spirit is that it's not like a static thing. If I, if I were to um, say it's, it's not like pouring water into a cup 
where you think, well, have I been filled? Well, I'm not sure if I'm completely filled. Perhaps I need a top up or perhaps I leak or whether, you know, I'm not sure. Have I been filled? Being filled with the Spirit is a bit more like the sails on a yacht where the wind has to keep blowing into the sails to keep the, the, the yacht moving. And our lives as Christians have to be positioned so that the Holy Spirit continues to empower us to bring us intimacy with the Lord, to help us serve him, to help us say no to ungodliness, to help us be effective in, in being Christians. So we, we're not like, we don't become Christians and then try our best to keep it going. No, the Holy Spirit is the one who blows in the sails of our lives and keeps us uh, serving him. I thought what would uh, perhaps help is just to tell you a little bit of, of my story because sometimes testimony can be helpful the way the Holy Spirit introduced himself to me is, is maybe different to how he will or has done with you, but it's just to give you an illustration. I became a Christian at the age of 17. Uh, I'd grown up in a church kind of background, but the church background I, I was part of didn't believe in the baptism of the Spirit, didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. So they held very strongly to the Word of God and preached the Word of God and and I, was, I, was, I knew what it was to, to how to become a Christian. But after I'd made that personal step, I can remember one evening I was at home, and I just for some reason felt I should just kneel by my bed and pray. I didn't even know what I wanted to pray about, but I just did. So I just knelt by my bed and I prayed, uh, or I waited. And in those moments, I can only describe... It like God filled that room with his presence. I, I never experienced anything like it in my life. I didn't know what it was. I didn't speak in tongues or prophesy or manifest in any other physical way. I just knew God was in that room. And uh, a few or a couple of weeks later, I asked someone about it at church. And fortunately, they were someone who had got some experience of the Holy Spirit. And they said to me, well, that was God, I believe that was God baptizing you in the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, what's that? And they said, well, that's... And so they took me through these scriptures and they pointed me to scriptures about gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, prophesying, healing, words of knowledge, all these things. And so I devoured this from the Bible because it was like, I'd never heard this stuff before. I just didn't know God did things anymore like that. I thought you just read about it in Acts. I didn't realize there was anything now that could be empowering in my life. So I went back to the Lord and knelt back down a few weeks later and waited and felt nothing. I thought, oh, this is, was that just a one-off? And then I thought, no, it is by faith I receive. So I said, Lord, I've discovered some things in your word that are not in my life. Shorthand, what I said. And I said, Lord, if it's in your word, I want it. So I said, Lord, I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to speak in a language I've never learned. And I trust you. I put my full trust in you that if I ask you for bread, you won't give me a scorpion. That if I ask you for the real thing, you're not going to give me a counterfeit. So, Lord, here I go. There was no flashing lights. There was no sense of the presence of God. There was nothing. But I just spoke in a language that I'd never learned. And I listened to myself and I thought, you're making that up. And at that moment, I had to battle through. And I thought, no, 
Yes, uh, well, yes and no. Yes, I am making it up because the Lord's not forcing me to do it. But I'm by faith trusting that this is a prayer language that the Lord is giving me. And I resolved from that day to this, and I still do this. I, I make a regular practice in my private life of praying in tongues. And I believe, I even sometimes to help myself, I brought my tongue-speaking egg timer with me. All right? Now, you might think, well, this is a bit strange. But the reason I do this, and sometimes when I think, oh, do you know, I haven't spoken in tongues for a while. In my quiet time, I have my time with God. I will put the egg timer like that. Now, this is a very big egg timer. It's not a boiled egg proportion. This is an ostrich egg proportion, right? This goes for ages and ages. And sometimes I think the sand is a bit wet, actually, because I think it gets stuck. Because I sometimes look at it, I think, man, it's not gone through at all. And I'm still praying in tongues. And I discipline myself to do that. They say, well, why do you do that? Well, there's some important things I think we have to break through if we're to really understand how to partner with the Holy Spirit. If you could put the slide up with the... (laughs) The, 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 the cliff thing, please. There we go. Now, let me try and explain. Particularly in the Western world, this is one of the problems we have. Right? We live on the earth. Hands up if you live on the earth. Right, that's... Hands... <laughs> okay, hands up if you think the person near you doesn't live on planet earth. Yeah, okay. Right? Well, we do all, we do all live on the earth, okay? Now, in the realm of the earth, in the realm of the earth... The thing that governs that realm is our senses, touch, smell, sight, sound, you know, the five the senses we have. We are governed uh, by those um, realities. So our senses and our experience as well, what we've experienced in the world, the things that have happened to us, the things we've been taught, the culture we live in, all of those things shape how we view the world. Do you agree with that? Right, because we live. Hello, do we agree with that? Right, so you're with me so far. Right, so we live on the earth, even though some of us don't look as if we do. As if we do, and our senses, the things we can touch and smell and feel and see, and our experience, are the reality that we are immersed in all the time. But, and here's the big but: there is a heaven realm that is not of the earth, that is not governed or interacted with or, f- or known by us through our senses or our experience, but it is just as real. It is out of that realm which is governed by the truth of Scripture, the Holy Spirit, and faith. It is out of that realm that the Holy Spirit works into this realm. Out of that realm, heaven's realm, the earth and all the senses and everything that we have around us, the things we see and feel and experience around us, out of heaven's realm, the earth was created. So heaven's realm is not only just as real, it's actually the fount of production for the things we are experiencing on the earth. Now our minds, particularly living in the West, are conditioned to logical, rational thinking, which says, if I can't touch it, smell it, feel it, see it, hear it, it's not real. That is how we are conditioned in the secular, humanistic way of thinking in our world. Do you agree with that? If you live in the West, that's how we... That is a stronghold. 
Right, that's a stronghold. Now, a stronghold is a collection of thoughts that are, that are not in keeping with truth. A stronghold is, a, is something that pretends to be true but isn't. And one of the reasons uh, Christians in the Western world particularly find it difficult to learn how to partner with the Holy Spirit is because we are so used to senses and experience governing the reality of something, we find it difficult to live from heaven's realm instead of from the earth's realm. That's why when Jesus was raised from the dead, his disciples clung on to him. And he said, don't hold on to me. I haven't yet ascended to my father. Why were they hanging on to him? Well, because if they could hold him and feel him, he was really with them. Yeah? When he got, he said, it's good for you that I go, because when I go back to heaven's realm, I will send another like me, the Holy Spirit. He will lead you. But they weren't used to interacting with God like that, because they were no longer going to be able to see him, touch him, feel him, hear him, in the physical senses way that they were used to. Do you know, Jesus is here this morning by his Holy Spirit. In just the same way as if... In just the same way our senses and experience would be stimulated and acknowledge his presence if physically he stood here, he is no less here because the heaven's realm is the thing that governs his presence. So learning to partner with the Holy Spirit is not about believing something that isn't actually true. It's about knowing that something is true that we cannot interact with in the way we normally do. So it's that learning how to um, interact, not using our senses in the way we're used to using them. Now, sometimes when the Holy Spirit works amongst us, people might fall over on the floor or cry or laugh. There's some kind of physical manifestation. And we look at that and we think, what is going on there? What's going on there is something is happening in the heavenly realm that is affecting someone's senses. All right? It's just a, if you put your fingers in an electric socket, you can't see the electricity, but you know it's there. Don't, don't, don't do that. Right? Just don't, don't test my theory. It's, just take it from me. If you were to do that, you, ha- you can't see it. There's no, there's, no real, there's no seeing. There's no senses of electricity. But if you put your fingers in the socket your senses will become aware of something else from a different di- dimension. And it's often like that with the Holy Spirit. We, we sometimes focus too much on what our senses are picking up and miss the point that he's doing something from heaven's realm. Now, heaven's realm is really important because heaven's realm is governed by what is the truth in Scripture rather than what am I feeling? And partnering with the Holy Spirit is learning to let heaven's authority become the determining factor in how we see and view life, how we see and view ourselves, and how we see and view each other, and how we see and view God himself. Heaven's realm is governed by the Holy Spirit, and it's governed by faith. Now, let me just give you a very practical thing, and I'll touch on this perhaps a little bit more next week, but I'll give you a scenario. Someone is unwell and they want to be prayed for, that they might be well, which is something Jesus asks us to do. So we lay hands on them, we pray in Jesus' name, command the illness to go. 
nothing happens. Suddenly, your earthly experience of senses and experience hit a wall. And what happens is we can say, well, actually, that didn't work, so it can't be true. We come up against this cliff of faith. Now, I can't give you any explanation why sometimes you can pray for one person and they're healed, you pray for another person and they're not. There is a mystery to that. But I do know this. The way to learn to partner with the Holy Spirit is this. Jesus told us to pray for the sick, to lay hands on them in Jesus' name. I know God wants to heal people. He doesn't want people sick and he wants to see them well. So, as, so that is from the realm of heaven and from the realm of Scripture. It's what Scripture says. Our faith says that's true and the Holy Spirit says that's true. So the way we learn to partner with the Spirit is we say, I don't understand why sometimes people do and sometimes people don't get healed, but I will just continue to pray for this person until one of two things happen. Either they're healed or they die. Because there's nothing in Scripture to tell me to stop doing that. <laughs> when they want it, you know, not to keep pressure in them, but, you know, when someone wants to. So in that sense, we are partnering and engaging with the Holy Spirit based on what he has said, rather than what we are seeing or experiencing or feeling. And that, if you take that principle and apply it into everything to do with the Holy Spirit, we can see how so often we hold back from pressing into what the Lord would want, because our senses are offended. And we think, well, I'm not sure, not sure. When I first started speaking in tongues, to go back to that, my senses were saying, You're gone. you've gone nuts. You're talking a load of gibberish, and it doesn't make any sense. My mind, the Bible says, was unfruitful, but my spirit was fruitful. That's how it should feel, because my senses are not involved. I'm not picking the words, I'm not choosing the words, but I'm engaging by faith in an activity that the Holy Spirit says he will do through me. Are you, are you getting this? Right? This, not sure you are. Are you, are you, are you with the argument here? Because the reason this is so important is this. If we are to become a church and a people that more and more see our broken world coming to faith in Jesus, we have got to learn how to partner with the Holy Spirit. We need words. People need to know the gospel. But words, works, and wonders must be part of how we do this. I was um, talking to someone. I have to talk in, in rather cloaked terms, as you will understand. But I've recently come into contact with someone. I'm having a Skype call with them on Tuesday, and I'd really like you to pray, actually, because I feel there might be a connection, a, a partnership, something happening, I don't know, we're just exploring, but I feel God has brought this connection about. I'm speaking to this guy who, for a number of years, has lived in uh, a very closed Muslim nation, and there's two other nations he's working with, in with as well, and uh, in the last uh, seven years, He has seen 400 churches planted in 90 cities and 3,000 believers come to Christ. And and I was talking to this guy and he's saying, I look forward to learning from each other. I said to him, I don't think I've got much I can teach you. 
But he said, no, actually, there are things that you've got that I haven't got that we need from each other. But the point is this. He said the way many, many Muslims are coming to Christ is this, is they just literally, they just literally teach from the Old Testament right the way through until there's a power encounter. And then when people say, what is this? He says, this is the Jesus of the Bible. Without the power encounter, nothing's going to happen. And I believe in our Western world, which is very much mind-focused, logic-focused, we are surrounded by people who are caught in a stronghold of rationalism. And there's more and more people that are open to supernatural dimension. And we need to be so filled with the Spirit that we can, encounter, we can help people encounter Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And so the whole point of these two weeks is to try and help us get more comfortable when sometimes we're operating from a realm that doesn't feel very familiar. Right? Sometimes when, when uh, I pray for people to be filled with the Spirit and they start to speak in tongues perhaps for the first time, the first thing they want to do is to sort of stop again because they think, oh, that doesn't feel very British or that doesn't, I don't feel very comfortable doing that. Listen, I'm, not a, I'm quite a shy person. Well, I, I'm not a very demonstrative. I don't find it easy to um, have focus on me. I don't like attention drawn to me. You think, well, why are you standing on the stage? I've got no idea. It's just, it's just, just God's sense of humor. I, I, but it's not something I, I, I enjoy. I'd rather just be hidden. You know, I, I don't go on the dance floor at parties because I don't want to look an idiot. You know, I just, it's just not me, right? So for me to engage with the Holy Spirit in talking in tongues, lifting my hands, dancing in worship, doing things, that's a massive thing for me to have to push through. But I had to come to this point where I thought, you know what, am I going to let my senses and my experience determine, my ex- determine where I set my bar, or am I going to let heaven define me? And I can remember being in one meeting, and again, you know, not a very demonstrative person, but a simple thing for me that, that uh, Mike alluded to earlier in the worship, where he said, um, where, where I felt the Lord say to me, I just want you to lift your hands in worship. Now, you think, well, that's not a big deal. To me, it was. Because I had to do something that offended my senses. I had to press through into something that just was uncomfortable for me to do. And often it is like that, learning to partner with the Holy Spirit. It's not forcing you to do something that's, that's not right. It's just helping you overcome something of the strongholds that are, our senses put around us. And it's just trying to help create a freedom where the only thing governing our actions is the truth of Scripture, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the faith we are exercising, rather than our personality, our background, or our preferences. We need to be set free from ourselves. And that, that is a process. It's not, a, it's not something we can, um, you know, kind of just rustle up. Um, and as I say, God will have a different way of working through you and in you um, than he will to me. The, the key thing for each of us is this. In John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus said, If a man is thirsty, or a woman, if a person is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. 
and out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. By this he meant the Spirit, who was later to be given to those who believed in him. So the key thing for each of us this morning is not what kind of a personality do we have. Are we extrovert, introvert? Are we self-conscious or not? Those are not the determining factors. The determining factor in learning to partner with the Holy Spirit is this. Are you thirsty? It's not in the Bible, but it is true. You, can't, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Right? And I can talk about all this stuff, but if you're not thirsty for the Holy Spirit, it won't have any effect at all. So you might think, do you know what, Mike, it's all right for you. I'm just, I have just got no longing for God at all at the moment. It's just, I'm just in a dry, dry patch. I've just got no longing. I haven't got any thirst like you're talking about. I'm just, I'm just, I don't know why, I'm just kind of switched off, really. Well, if that's where you are, let me say this to you. Long to have the longing. Right? Long to have the longing. You think, no, I'm worse than that. Well, long that you might long to long to have the longing. I don't care how far back we have to go. Long that you might long that you might long that you might long that you might long to long. I mean, that covers just about everybody, you know. <laughs> I mean, it, God, what I found is this. The Holy Spirit will find a way of helping you. He will help you. You don't have to be... Another thing that people often get wrong with the Holy Spirit is they think, I'm not holy enough for him to use me. No, you're not holy enough. That's why you need him. That's the whole point. Do you think you can do it on your own and then he comes just to sort of approve what you've done, do you? How foolish. I need all the help I can get. You know, I want global Holy Spirit focus on all my life because I can't do this. I can't do this without help. I need stabilizers the whole time. I can't ride my bike of the Christian life. I need the stabilizers. I need air in my tires. I need whatever you want, metaphor you want. I need the Holy Spirit. So do you. So rather than thinking, you know, I, I, I had a bad thought in the week. I, I can't be filled with the Spirit. No, you need to be filled with the Spirit so you don't have the bad thought in the week. It, it, we've got it all the wrong, wrong way around. It's not a level of achievement like a brownie badge or a scout's badge. Oh, yeah, I've got the Holy Spirit one there. Look, I've got that. Three weeks of speaking in tongues, got my badge. <laughs> no, that's, it's just not like that. But we make it like that. There's so much more I could say about this, but I just wanted to, to kind of hopefully just stir your appetite because I, I do believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do some some good things in us. Just some simple things um, lastly and then we're, I just want to give us some time. The band are going to come back we're going to sing and just want us to have some time to linger. So actually band can come back now if you like. That would be good to give you a chance just to set up. Um, What I, what I find helpful personally is if we deliberately press through, so my rather amusing tongue-speaking egg timer, right, which sometimes I use, whatever works for you, you know, I, I have found if I discipline myself to 
break a stronghold so my thinking and my behavior becomes more like heaven's realm than earth's realm, if I discipline myself to do that, you know, discipline brings freedom. Right? Now, if you watch uh, this week, B.B. King died, right? Amazing guitar player. If you've ever watched B.B. King play, it's just effortless. It's just effortless. He can make that. His guitar is almost a part of his body. Now, what makes him so free in playing? Discipline. Because right? discipline has produced freedom. And often with the Holy Spirit, uh, I mean, the last couple of years, I've seen more people healed than I've seen probably in all of my Christian life. And the reason that's happened is I've prayed for more people or I've kind of created contexts in meetings for more people to be healed than I've ever done in my Christian life. I've disciplined myself to do it. And I've disciplined myself to keep doing it, even when sometimes you pray for people and nothing happens or seemingly nothing happens. And you think, oh, goodness, what do I do now? Well, you just keep going. Or when you prophesy and you bring a word and, and you say to someone, I've got this word for you, and, they, and you say, does that mean anything to you? And they say, no, not at all. So what are you going to do? Give up? So I'm not going to do that again. No, discipline brings freedom. We're all learning how to partner with the Holy Spirit.